Jews. So today, as we continue our uh, faith uh, deconstruction journey, we've spent two weeks talking through um, a number of topics, uh, very dense stuff, uh, I've been told. I've gotten some positive feedback today. We're going to keep it, I think, uh, just do something a little bit different. Um, I'm excited we're going to have a, a conversation with uh, one of our newest staff members, and we're going to have a conversation not related to what we hired them for, but whatever. So, uh, John, if you want to come on up, we can, we can explain a little bit more of why we're chatting with you, and uh, we're going to interview. John uh, is our newest admin, and which means he helps with our bookkeeping and other administrative duties, and is very gifted in that. But along with being our part-time admin... He is a spiritual director. And as I've wrestled with the topic of faith deconstruction, and as I've heard stories in our community, I've really felt like spiritual direction, and, and maybe you don't know what that is. We're going to explain it. That's why we're having this conversation. But I really felt like spiritual direction was a piece of the puzzle um, for helping us work through some of these big questions and, and questions related to faith. So... Um, John, I asked John uh, pretty much right around when we were hiring you if you'd be willing to do this, so thanks for taking time to uh, be with us. And to get started, why don't you introduce yourself and maybe share a little bit of your faith story, you know, how you got into ministry, uh, that, that sort of thing. So. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Good morning, everybody. My name is John Kuhn. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. And um, when, when I read that question that Joe sent me, I thought, my goodness, I could speak for an hour about my faith story. And that was just the first part of the first question of the, the list of questions that he shared. So um, I'm going to jump in and kind of see how it goes. And Joe promised that he will interrupt me if I talk too much. Um, I grew up here in Columbus, Ohio, um, in a very conservative, evangelical, Southern Baptist family. And my father was the music minister at the church that we attended. And so we were there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday evening, and probably another night of every week. We were there in the church all the time. Um, I lived and breathed church as a child. Um, and I loved it. I embraced all of it. Um, and as I grew older into my teenage years, I really wanted to be a good Christian. And I did all the things that I was supposed to do. I read the Bible. I prayed. I shared my faith with people. I went on mission trips. I did all of the things that I was supposed to do. Um, and yet, in the back of my mind, I always had some questions about some things um, that I don't know that I fully engaged at that time in my life, but there were always some questions just kind of underneath the surface of, of my reality. Um, fast forward a little bit to college. I went to school in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was a music major, a cello performance major. And while I was there, I um, came into contact, probably in my junior year, um, with a campus ministry that was a little bit different than um, some of the people that I had grown up with. And these people talked about things like social justice, racial justice and reconciliation, caring for the earth, in the same conversations in which they were talking about their faith in the Bible and Christianity. And it blew my mind. Like I had never heard these things talked about together. It resonated with me, all of these um, things. And so I began to shift a little bit. And maybe that was, along with the questions that I was asking in my childhood, maybe that was part of the beginning of my deconstruction. And, and one thing I'll sort of interject here about deconstruction is that I don't think you're ever done. 
I think it's always this process and I think it's so cyclical and I almost have this image of kind of like a spiral where you're kind of coming around and you're always deepening but it, it just keeps happening and it never ends. And so even as I share like where I am is where I am, where you are is where you are and everybody's journey is different but this is, um, this is my journey and my story and I'm not done, I have not arrived. Um, okay, so that, that was my experience in college. Um, I decided that I did not want to um, pursue music in grad school. Instead, I did a fifth year master's program in organizational leadership, still in Nashville, um, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And actually at this time, I made the decision to apply for a seminary, and I got accepted at a couple of seminaries because I, you know, I loved church, I loved theology, and I loved sort of what I was learning. Um, but I wasn't sure that that's what I wanted to do. And one Sunday morning, I went to the church that I was attending, and the pastor said that they had an opening, or they were looking for somebody to move to the Eastern European country of Moldova, which is located between Romania and Ukraine. You might have heard about it in the news recently, Moldova, um, to teach English and music. And I thought, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm really interested in social justice and learning about the world. Sounds like something I could do for a year. And so I signed up and I moved to Moldova originally for a year. And I began to build relationships with children and families, um, children who were attending a state-run boarding school in Moldova. And these were children who had come from really vulnerable backgrounds. They were living with um, abuse, poverty, hunger, um, trauma, all violence, all sorts of things in their lives. And as I got to know these children and their families, I really started to ask a lot of questions and things really started to fall apart for me. So much so that I would say that pretty much everything that I had grown up with and believed about God, the Bible, theology, all of it fell apart. If, if you um, are familiar with a hero's journey, there's this place and it's sort of like a circle. The hero like leaves home and then at the bottom of the circle is the abyss. And I often say like I was in the abyss of the hero's journey, right? The, the I knew nothing. Um, and I, but, but at the same time, I loved my work there. I loved the children. I loved what I was doing and I wanted to stay. I loved the culture. And so I canceled my um, acceptance, my enrollment at a seminary and I decided to stay. I found out about an organization that was present in the neighboring country of Romania, working with children and their families, and I moved to Romania, joined a staff there, um, and this organization had chapel every day. Like, you had to go. It was a Christian organization. It had some roots in evangelicalism, but it was also sort of open to Orthodox Christians and mainline progressive Christians and Catholic Christians kind of all coming together. And so it seemed um, like something that resonated with me at that time in my life. And we had chapel every morning. Um, and chapel was really hard for me with where I was in this place of not knowing. Um, but they introduced these contemplative prayer practices. Um, and you may, some of you may be familiar with things like centering prayer or Lectio Divina or um, some of these practices, breath prayers, that really resonated with me and gave me a way to pray that felt okay with where I was at that place in my journey. 
And at the same time, this organization also recommended that the staff see a spiritual director. And I had no idea what a spiritual director was, but it sounded cool, and so I decided to begin seeing a spiritual director. And at this time, so this was 2008. We didn't have Zoom in 2008. We had Skype, and it was new. Like, video Skype was new. Um, but I began seeing a woman who lived in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, she was at Creighton University, a spiritual director. And it changed everything for me because she held a space for me in which I could bring all of my not knowing, all of my questions, all of my wrestling and struggles, and she allowed me to just be with it and to look at it and to get curious about it and to dig deeper into it without trying to fix anything, without trying to give me any sort of an answer, without telling me what was right or wrong. She just held space for me asked some really good questions and reflected some things back. And it was in that space that I started to um, begin to put some things back together. You know, you've been talking a little bit about kind of uh, reconstructing, but also to become okay with some of the things that I didn't know and that I still don't know. And to realize that it's okay to not know. And that feels really uncomfortable, but it was a space in which I was able to get acquainted with that feeling of not knowing and to maybe even become friendly with it and to say, it's okay to not know. Um, and so that was, that was spiritual direction for me, uh, my introduction to it. I've seen a spiritual director every month since then. It's been so transformative for me. Um, fast forward a little bit, in 2010, I moved back to Moldova and started a new nonprofit that was a part of this bigger nonprofit um, in Moldova got married to my spouse, Rachel, in 2011. And we lived in Moldova for three and a half years there. Um, and in 2014, decided that we wanted to move back to Columbus um, because we wanted to try and start to have a family. We're both from here, and we wanted to do that um, with our relatives, with friends and family that we had here. And so we moved back to Columbus in 2014. And um, I heard about an organization here locally called the Spirituality Network. And this organization has a spiritual direction training program as well as a spiritual direction referral service. And so I went to the Spirituality Network and spoke to Amanda at the Spirituality Network for a spiritual direction referral because I could see somebody finally in person locally who spoke my heart language of English. And she made the referral for me. And at that meeting, I said to her, do you happen to know of any churches in Columbus that emphasize both contemplative spirituality and social justice. And she kind of smiled and laughed a little bit and sort of said, no, like that doesn't really exist. Um, she said, but I think you should check out this church on campus called Summit on 16th United Methodist Church. There's this pastor named April Blaine. I think you should go. And so we did. And it was the first time in years that I went to church and didn't feel angry. And, um, and so we joined the church like really quickly. April was like, that's the fastest anybody's ever joined this church. Um, and then a month later, I joined staff. There was an opening for um, their administrative assistant and I didn't know what I was doing again with my life. And so I decided to um, take this job um, because I'd always been in church. I would, had always been interested in church and ministry. I took the job. A couple years later, it turned into a full-time job. 
Um, and I, I was there for seven years. Uh, Rachel and I had two children in that time, Oscar, who was now six, and Genevieve, who was almost four. Um, and also during that time, I um, entered the WellStreams program um, of, of, it's a certificate program in spiritual formation and the art of spiritual direction. And um, it was a three-year program. Uh, so I started in 2016. I ended in 2019. And it really affirmed um, my calling to be a spiritual director. Um, and so I ended that in 2019 um, and started my practice. It's called Under the Sweet Gum. I've been practicing sort of on the side since 2019. Um, and then earlier this year, many of you may know that Summit United Methodist Church and Maynard Avenue merged, and they have formed a new church called Circle of Hope, which Alyssa is pastoring. And um, I also, with that merger, lost my job and um, heard through Alyssa, heard about this church, and saw that there was a job opening and decided to apply. So that's how I came here. Um, and so I'm doing this part-time as well as spiritual direction as sort of my main thing. And so that's how I arrived where I am today. What a fantastic story, huh? <laughs> and thank you. Thank you for sharing. And um, uh, I felt like that was, you were worried about length, but it was very appropriate, so good. And um, uh, just a, as an aside, we love he just hearing people's stories. You know, and and we, we create space, you know, five minutes in any service, we'll, we'll give someone to share their story. So if you haven't shared your story, another just soft plug to you. Love to have you share your story as well. And uh, it's your story, so it can be, it's yours. It's not somebody else's, so it doesn't have to sound like somebody else's. But um, uh, so you talked about benefiting from spiritual direction and getting uh, your certification in spiritual direction. So let's start there. Tell us what spiritual direction is. So how do you, what do you mean by spiritual direction? What, what is it? That's a great question, and people ask that all the time. It's hard to define. And I guess I would start out by saying that the term spiritual direction is really misleading, and it's actually not directive at all. And so some people have come up with the term spiritual companionship, which I like a little bit more because it says a little bit more about what it is. Um, and so the first way that I would describe spiritual direction or spiritual companionship is deep listening, and that it is a space in which the directee or the person being companioned can bring anything. Um, I, one of the things that I believe, there are a few things that I believe, not many, but one of them is that everything belongs, everything is spiritual, and God or the divine touches everything in our lives, and so everything belongs in spiritual direction. So the directee is free to bring whatever they want to look at, and so it might be similar to going to therapy where you're, there's something you're wrestling with, a question you have, a struggle, a relationship, whatever it is, and the director listens deeply. And so this might look like asking questions, getting curious. It might look like um, inviting the directee to go deeper into their experience. It might be mirroring back, making some observations. It can look like different things, but at the end, it's deep listening. Um, it's safe, there's no judgment. There's no, like I shared before, there's no fixing, there's no right or wrong, there are no answers. It's really about getting curious. And part of, one of the things that I believe about spiritual direction or, or that I believe in general is that all of us carry within ourselves uh, inner wisdom. 
and the answers that we need and that we're looking for are already within us. And so part of spiritual direction is just quieting down long enough to pay attention and listen to that still, soft, speaking voice that is within each of us and being able to hear it and pay attention. Um, you know, so things that we might be familiar with, how does it differ with uh, what we'd call mentoring or discipleship? How is it same or how is it different from, from that, from your experience? I think one of the things I would say is that there's no, the, the spiritual director has no agenda other than to just be present to whatever the directee is bringing. And so maybe perhaps in discipleship or mentorship, there is some sort of a, we're gonna look at this book together, or we're gonna learn about this together, or um, whatever, there might be some sort of an agenda. But in spiritual direction, it's really about what the directee is bringing um, and sort of following the spirit in the session. Of, of sort of how it goes. And so if there's any agenda in spiritual direction, it would only be to pay attention to where God is. And I might also add um, following invitations into greater freedom and wholeness for the directee. Um, I'm working on an application right now for an apprentice, uh, someone in our, ch our church, uh, uh, Christy Campos, I don't think she'd mind me saying. Christy, you're online, so I'm mentioning you now. And uh, she's got, well, you know, we just, uh, she just filled out an application to be an apprentice at Central City as part of her seminary education. So, you know, in that regard, there's like very, well, first off, there's paperwork, which if you know me, I love. And, um, but there's like specific goals. There, we, we have to draft an agenda that says, here's what she's going to learn, here's my contribution, here's how I'm gonna guide her time, like it's a, it, I'm ex, that's expected of me. I have to do that as part of her experience and training. And so as I hear you talk about spiritual direction, something that I, I wanna say as a pastor here is, you know, there are a lot of people in our community who are really wrestling with deep questions and I work really hard to be a safe place. But by the mere nature of my position, I am charged, you know, our church believes certain things and our Denomination believes certain things, and I believe certain things, and I my primary charge is one for discipleship. So in one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, I try really hard to not bring that into the space. But at, but then at the same time, I am charged because of my position to say, well, you know, here's our church's stance on that, or here's how I view it. Like I I, I find it almost impossible for me not to do that because it's part of my job. That's but but let me just say that's not always what people need. That's just what I'm paid to do which is why we're having this conversation. There's actually potentially better space where there isn't an agenda and there isn't saying, here's what the church believes, here's what the pastor believes, where that's not even part of the conversation because that's not what you need at that point in time. And that's why I believe, you know, we get into the, like very strong belief around spiritual gifts and different roles in the church. Like we need different roles in the church. I, I think my role is legitimate, but I want you guys to hear that I think this is equally legitimate and might be exactly what someone in your life or in our church needs, especially um, uh, if you've got big questions. So real quick, similar question. Um, you mentioned it could be like therapy. How is it this similar and at the same time, it's not therapy, right? That's an important disclaimer. But what, you know, how is it similar or different than therapy? And also if you want, I don't, I don't know if you were about to respond to what I was saying, you can do that as well, of course. You can jump in at any point. I already forgot, I'll answer your question. Um, 
about therapy. So yes, it's really important to know that spiritual direction is not therapy. It's not a replacement for therapy, and it can actually be really helpful in addition to therapy. Um, and sort of how I like to explain how it is different is I often use the example of somebody is wrestling with anxiety in their life. And they might go to a therapist with their anxiety and say, like, I need help coping with this anxiety. I need some tools. I need to figure out what to do. I need an action plan. And they, together with a the therapist, might work on that. And that's really good and really helpful and necessary for people. That is not spiritual direction. You could bring the same thing to a session of spiritual direction, the same anxiety, and we're gonna look at the anxiety, we're gonna hold the anxiety, we're gonna listen to the anxiety, and we're gonna always be asking the question of where is God in this um, experience of the anxiety, perhaps in the anxiety, and with you in this very moment as you are sharing about the anxiety. And so the curiosity is always about how is God, or whatever your word for God is, with you in whatever it is that you are experiencing. So, you know, you've mentioned that you have in the past worked for, I say, the question is you, you focus a lot on people who've experienced faith deconstruction, but I think you worded it, you've, it's kind of just happened that you've, typically, you've worked with a lot of people who've experienced faith deconstruction. Um, so let's talk a little, that's the series we're in. So let's start with just a simple question. How do you define that experience of faith deconstruction? And it sounds like, I mean, you've gone through it. You've also walked with people who have. What's your, how do you see it? Um, I brought a little visual, if I can share with you all for this. I knew this question was coming. Um, and I think I'm just going to share what this visual is, because I think that deconstruction is hard to define, and I've heard, I've listened to your sermons um, from the past couple of weeks and, and sort of examining long-held beliefs and you said to jettison some of them. Sure. Um, yeah. This, okay, so this, I'm just gonna share what this is. This was my synthesis project at the end of my spiritual direction training program, and I don't know if you can see it very well. I am not an artist, a visual artist at all. That's well, beautiful. And this took me like a whole semester and hours of anguish to make because <laughs> I am not a visual artist, but I was determined to do it. And so what this is, this is a sweet gum tree. I have a sweet gum tree in my backyard and that is the name of my practice is under the sweet gum. And so I've been really inspired by this tree for various reasons. And what I did is I took some old hymnals and I cut up two hymns, specifically, I Surrender All, and This is the Day That the Lord Has Made, which were songs that we sang all the time in my childhood, and I cut them up, and I um, placed all of those pieces of the hymnal inside of the tree, and so I sort of reconstructed um, these hymns in a very different way, and so it's made from the same material, but it's put back together in a very different way and in a form that looks entirely different than if you saw this on a page in a hymnal. Um, and so I don't know if that's really a definition of deconstruction, but this was sort of my experience of deconstruction at that time um, where I was. And so it was looking at all of these things that I had been raised with, beliefs, theology, and just taking them apart, looking at them. And I didn't keep all of the page, right? I just took certain parts of it, and so some of it the word jettison, I jettisoned out, and others I, I brought back in and put together in a very different way. Um, and in a way that th this tree sort of represents who I am. Um, and, and it's sort of the truest um, expression of who I am as, as this um, proud 
tree standing tall with its branches wide and its roots going deep into the earth. Um, you mentioned two songs by name. Um, why those songs? And I guess what I'm asking is it because they were, yeah, why those songs? And you don't have to answer if you don't want to. The reason I chose those songs specifically is that they carried very strong messages in my, in my childhood that I had to deconstruct and reimagine or understand in a different way. So sort of these messages of like, I surrender all of, um, uh, of just sort of um, doing whatever the pastor or the um, Bible said or what their interpretation of the Bible said to do and sort of not having any sort of sense of agency. And um, this is the day the Lord has made was sort of like put on a happy face and like be joyful all the time, right? Um, and, and those are both ideas that, I've, that I had to deconstruct. Our, our creative team is working on some ways that we can wrestle with this in two weeks as we bring this series to a close, and we're going to do some reconstructing. But this idea of, of taking hymns that, have, uh, that you have mixed feelings about and cutting out parts and doing a collage, like deconstructing and reconstructing, I don't know, creative team. I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that in worship because that involves glue and stuff, but <laughs> that is, seems like a really potentially helpful exercise, so something to keep in mind. Um, so as you've experienced it and as you've worked with people who have, what are some of the, have you used as you, from your perspective, some of the biggest challenges around faith deconstruction? One of the things that is really challenging for people as I meet with them in spiritual direction is that they're, they might be able to articulate how their beliefs have shifted or changed and they even have come to a place of articulating what those new beliefs are. But in their bodies, they are still feeling stuck in the old patterns, and they're still triggered by um, old trauma that's living in their bodies from their experience in these religious spaces that were harmful, toxic, traumatizing. And so how, I think the, the, the challenge is how do we move from our heads into our bodies and start to re, um, to tell those stories in a new way um, so that our bodies are changed as well as our minds. Um, and that's something we work on and talk about in spiritual direction, and I think in therapy as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's been one of the struggles that I've had with this whole series, because the reality is there's people in our community that are triggered by worship gatherings, uh, sermons, um, people who I consider a part of our church that uh, can't listen to my sermon. And they've shared that with me, and there's no, I mean, you know, like, I'm over it. I mean, I've preached way too many sermons in my life anyway. It's like, I'm just, like, I'm just not personal anymore. And, and so there's what, what I've realized is like you can do a whole sermon series on faith deconstruction, and we can even, I can even maybe do an above-average job at it. Let's say that I do a good job. It, it doesn't really even fully meet the need because what we're talking about a lot of times is something in the, the way you're talking about is like trauma within the body. And as somebody that tends to be a literalist and also can become across as cold at times, just FYI, you know, I'm like, well, just, I'm just like, I'm to sometimes it's like, well, just don't believe that anymore. Like, I don't believe that anymore. You shouldn't believe that anymore. But I also know that it's not often as easy as that, that there is, there is, there is stuff going on under the surface that makes a lot of things really difficult. So once again, if that's you, or if you're listening to the podcast, or if you're listening, you know, I want you to know that, you know, I hear that, and, and there are resources, you know, 
uh, there are resources that can help. And specifically, you now have heard from John, who's available for spiritual direction. And I'll add, and I might add later as well, we have a mental health fund to cover things like this. So if you can't afford it, we'll, we'll help with the first couple of sessions. Um, so it's available. Um, next question. Uh, you also work with people in a similar vein, I would say, but you can correct me, who you know, raised conservative Christian church but now identify as LGBTQ, um, and you, you've offered spiritual direction in that context. What are some of the struggles you know, in the, with that work, with those experiences from your, from your perspective? Yeah, a, a lot of the people who have come to me um, not only have been raised in evangelical churches, but also identify as LGBTQ. Um, and I'll say we, because I am bisexual and queer, um, and I have experienced this as well in my life. Um, there's not only the messaging of like, you are bad and there's something wrong with you that a lot of us get in evangelical churches, but um, when it touches our sexuality, at least if you are straight and cisgender, it's like, well, um, I'm doing something that's wrong maybe, but the core of who I am isn't necessarily being told that it is wrong. And so for queer people, it's like we were told that you are wrong and this very intimate and, and deep place inside of us has been, um, yeah, received that message. And so there's a whole nother level of, of um, healing and trauma that I think that LGBT people um, have experienced. At the same time, I think that LGBT people, LGBT, LGBTQ people have had to deconstruct all sorts of things all along and have had to learn to hold um, contradiction in ways that maybe perhaps straight and cisgender people didn't have to hold. And so they also have access to some tools that I, I find that maybe some, some other people don't. So there's really a both and here. Mm. Very helpful. Um, let's talk a little bit about how does spiritual direction help with someone experiencing faith deconstruction. Um, so how does spiritual direction help with that? Yeah, um, I think that I would go back to my own experience of it and of, um, of it being a place where there are no expectations in which you experience total freedom to be and show up exactly as you are. And if you don't know on that day anything about what you believe, it doesn't matter, it's okay. Like you're able to come exactly as you are. And sort of as Joe was saying, like the spiritual director has no expectations whatsoever around your theology. They're only there to be curious. And I think that it's in that sort of space that is so free that you can really get honest about what you're thinking. You can really name some things that are really hard. You can name some truths that you might not be able to name in other places. And out of that sort of authenticity, be able to um, see your, your true self um, emerge. Um, another thing that I would say is that something that I notice that people experience in deconstruction or just in sort of faith shifting is that they are moving from a place of having an external source of authority, which they grew up um, saying that you need to listen to the pastor, you need to listen to what this church says about the Bible, you need to listen to whatever this theologian says, and they start to question those things, and in spiritual direction, they begin to discover, as we listen to their own inner wisdom, they begin to discover an inner sense of authority. Like, oh, I believe this because I experienced it. 
I believe this because I feel it in my body. My gut and my intuition tell me that this is true, and I know it's true. And so we begin to access these new ways of knowing that are outside of our heads, that are not external, but that are deep within our bodies. One of the things we've talked about, too, was this idea that, um, and what I've noticed in our community is that when someone's experiencing spiritual Faith, faith deconstruction, uh, it's a very lonely process. And a lot of times people end up outside of the church. And I was just thinking about your story earlier where chapel was difficult, but spiritual direction was life-giving for the reasons listed. Yeah. And I, I um, you know, as I think about people in our community who are maybe listening or online or in the room, you know, having space where that's safe, you know, Sunday, worship, Sunday morning might not be the, the best thing for you right now, but something like spiritual direction can be free of such triggers or, or whatever yeah. from the spiritual trauma that you've experienced. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, tell me what a typical spiritual direction, we're, we're, we're going to finish up here with just some practical questions. So sure. talk to me about what a typical session looks like. Yeah, so a typical session is about 60 minutes long. Um, I do both virtual and in-person sessions. And I like to begin, most recently I've, beginning my, I've been beginning my sessions with whatever the directee wants. And so I used to always begin with a prayer, um, but I really realized that like prayer doesn't always work for people, and even that can be triggering. And so I always ask, what would feel good to you today to begin? And so we might start with some silence, some breathing together, maybe a simple meditation or grounding practice. Some people really like prayer. And so we sort of begin... Um, in a way that sort of um, sets the space and gets people really centered. And then it, the time belongs to the directee. And so I say, this space is yours. And you can do with it whatever you want. And so some people just begin talking, and they have all sorts of things they want to share, and they want to talk a lot and tell me all about their month. And I listen, um, and, I'm, and, and then I invite them deeper into their experience, and we ask some questions about it. Uh, sometimes there are people who really... Uh, want to be in silence. I had somebody recently who was silent for 45 minutes after our opening prayer. And then after those 45 minutes, he said, huh, isn't that interesting? And he, really, he came to this really, really profound realization that he needed. And um, it was like that space allowed him to do the work that he needed to do. That is not a typical session, but it can, it can happen. Um, and, and so really, it, it just depends um, on the person and, and what they're working on. Um, I have a couple of tools that I use. One of them is called bio-spiritual focusing, which is a way of listening to our bodies. And so if it's something that resonates with the directee, um, I will use that often. And it's a way of really paying attention to, your, to the experience or the feeling or the sensations that are happening in that moment in the person's body. Um, and it also involves a lot of silence. Some sessions feel more like a conversation and we're just talking. Um, so it really depends. And then at the end, uh, we sort of wrap up um, with a prayer, with a poem, um, with however, with some silence, whatever feels good for the directee to close. I'm curious, how many are hearing about spiritual direction for the first time today? Maybe you weren't familiar with it. A few of you? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, so you're like, oh, this is different. This is new. Um, just for some additional context, uh, it's it's... It's a pretty well-accepted Christian practice across theological spectrums. So um, 
you know, like the, I have some friends and we have some connections in the vineyard movement that engage in spiritual direction might may be similar or different than, than the network John's a part of. Um, at various pastor retreats I've gone to, they've offered spiritual direction to pastors. So I've, I've taken advantage of that. You know, you can just sign up for a slot. And I sat with somebody for half hour to an hour talking about my spiritual life, which as a pastor, I don't get to do in a safe space very well. And it was a lot of it was a while ago when last time I used it, but it was a lot of questions kind of getting at the heart of, you know, where do you see God in that and really creating a safe space. I found it to be very meaningful. Um, Alyssa uh, has seen a spiritual director uh, off and on for a number of years and has found it to be very beneficial in tandem with uh, also seeing a counselor and we've gone to marriage counseling. This is stuff we've all shared with you all. But a spiritual director was, uh, was an important part of her journey as well and she obviously could speak to that. So just some context, if this is the first time you're hearing about it, it's a fairly well-respected practice um, across theological uh, you know, experiences um, for creating space for people to wrestle with their faith or to you know, encounter their faith in a fresh way. Um, so if someone wanted to sign up for spiritual direction, what, what should they do? How, how do you find a spiritual director? I'm assuming, and you can correct me, that similar to finding a good therapist, sometimes it has to do with the person. You know, what you're comfortable with, you know, your personality, their personality. I know finding a good therapist can be a journey. I'm assuming finding a spiritual director that works. How, what advice do you have for the practical steps of, you know, I want to I try this out. What, what would you tell people to do? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, it's a very normal practice for people to go and try out a couple of spiritual directors, maybe three or four, to find the right fit. Because I think it's really important to be with somebody with whom you feel free to be yourself. And if you sit with somebody and you're noticing that you have all sorts of inhibitions coming up or you, you're not able to really share authentically, that's important to notice, right? Um, so I mentioned the Spirituality Network here in Columbus locally. They do referrals for people. So you can meet with um, Amanda at the Spirituality Network, and she will give you the names of several spiritual directors, I think just locally, um, and you can go and meet with them. And it's, it's common practice for that first initial consultation session to be free. And so you can just go and sort of interview different spiritual directors and ask questions about what it would look like for you to meet with them. Um, there's also a website, there's an organization called Spiritual Directors International. If you go on their website, you can also look for spiritual directors who might be a fit for you. And now that we have the internet and Zoom, you can meet with anybody anywhere in the world. Um, so there are all sorts of, of opportunities, but locally the Spirituality Network um, is a great resource. My last question. So you said one of the, one of the things that you do in, the, in, a, in a space is to um, kind of ask the question, where is God in this? So my question for you is, as a spiritual director working with people, where, where have you seen God at work in your own, from your own experience? Yeah, it's, it's um, a question that I would answer as like, I've seen God right before my eyes in the session. Because we often look at like the experience, like people often bring stories or experiences from the past month and they're talking about like, this is what happened to me. And then I always ask them, well, what are you noticing right now? Like, how is this for you right now? Or how is that for you to share it? And sort of like shift the focus into the present moment. 
And it's always in that shifting of like what's happening right here, right now in the present moment that I see God moving. And I can see things shift in people's bodies as they become aware of things. Um, there, in, in bio-spiritual focusing, they talk about this felt shift in our bodies when we really pay attention and we notice um, a change that feels good. And the authors of this um, book talk about it as the felt sense of the grace of God in our bodies. And I feel like I can see it happen in people's bodies. Um, and then over time, I've seen people change um, from being um, you know, really just sort of like hunched over and timid um, to now being these like um, confident, joyful people who are taking up space in the world. And, and, and it's in that transformation that I've seen God. Beautiful. You guys thank John for sharing. Um, thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. I, um, uh, John has already, he started a couple weeks ago, and he's already proved to be a, a fantastic administrator. Uh, um, but uh, I couldn't go without, you know, also sharing, you know, his, you know, asking this conversation around some of this other stuff that he does. Um, and... Uh, uh, I hope that uh, it inspires some thoughts that might be helpful to you or somebody in your life. Um, so if you want any of the resources uh, that John mentioned, we can get you connected with those. Uh, you can send either of us an email. Uh, John has an email at Central City now. Um, I'm assuming it's okay if they email you about this, even though it's not part of your job here. Uh, it's fine with me. And um, uh, yeah, so thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you all. Thanks, Joe. I'm going to end our time with just a simple blessing. We are ending a little early. You're welcome. And, um, uh, but, you know, I'm going to do one more plug. We've got some coffee out here. And uh, I encourage you to hang out, come over and get a cup of coffee and, and chat with other people with the few extra minutes that we have. Not, not too many, like five. Come on. Um, so I, I leave you with this blessing. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you, and may he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. We'll see you all next week.